You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderlin, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Father, we are so grateful that the Lord Jesus is stronger, that he is risen from the grave. Father, we recognize our sin, but Lord, we recognize your grace, your freedom and forgiveness even more, and we are so grateful for that. Lord, we praise and worship you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, you may be seated, guys. So good to see you today, and I trust that you are doing well. I'm excited to share with you this morning out of Psalm chapter 30. Psalm chapter 30, if you want to take your Bible, feel free to go ahead and turn there, or it'll be on the screen as we read it here in just a moment. And uh, along the way, you know, it's been said that the Christian life is one of several new beginnings. We often at River talk about the, the big one, the one that kind of starts that, 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 that time when a person realizes their sin and realizes that, that, that that sin is, is a problem and they feel the guilt and the shame and that burden begins to settle in on them. But then they also realize that God loves them in spite of that and sent His Son Jesus to die for them on the cross and that, that they can have that burden removed and they can have that shame removed and that guilt and have a, a brand new beginning in life. I wish every area of life offered new beginnings. I really do. And, uh, and not every little area offers new beginnings, but God gives us a new beginnings on the big one. And that that first new beginning is when we surrender our life to Jesus as Lord of our life and He forgives us of our sin and we enter into His presence and we have a relationship with Him that really changes our life. And that's uh, We talk often about it at River that we're all about helping people experience that life change that comes by knowing and following Jesus. That knowing is the first big one when we enter into that relationship with Him and we, we know Him personally. But the following offers new beginnings regularly in our lives. It's not just one, but there's several. Sean, are you saying that we have to be saved again and receive? No, that happens one time. But what God does in our life is that salvation enters into us into that relationship, and then God begins working in our life the rest of our life. And as we go through and navigate life, there are seasons of life when God says, okay, Buckle your seatbelt. It's going to get a little rough, but this is going to be for your good. I'm working on your heart a little bit, and there's some stuff in here that I need to remove, kind of, you know, like going to the doctor's office or whatever, or the dentist, like, yeah, you got a cavity, and you got to sit there and endure the pain. And God says, it's going to be a little painful, but it's okay. I love you. And I want you to experience life even more of what I meant for you. And so God kind of takes you through those routines. I don't know if many of you have hiked or not. As you know, I like to hike, and I really like to hike above tree level. I like to get where, you know, higher than the trees, so you can see the views and all of that. And I I like when I'm hiking and you break out of kind of the trees, the jungle down below. That's just... That's nothing but work. It's hot, and the bugs are down there. It's sweaty. There's no breeze, and it's just, it's really honestly not that much fun. But when you get up, you get to look out across, and you get to, we were parked there, and you get to kind of see, and, and then you get up higher, and you see more, and you see higher, and that's kind of what our relationship with Christ is, is that, that God wants us to more and more experience more of Him and in our life and in that way. What we're going to see this morning out of Psalm 30 is that part of that upward progression, part of that new, some of those new beginnings come through God's discipline, His correction in our life. 
We don't like that. It doesn't feel very good. But I want us to kind of understand what God does in our heart when he's correcting us and he's speaking into our lives. Psalm chapter 30, we often think of Psalm 51, the big one, when David cheated on his, his, I guess, wives and ended up committing adultery with Bathsheba. And 51 is when he's repentant and all of that. But Psalm 30 is another one of those where we see David experiencing God's chastening hand in his heart. And we see the renewal that God brings in his life. And we see the process in that journey of what that's like. So read with me if you will, and I'll kind of unpack it along the way. Psalm chapter 30, the Bible says this. This is David writing. He says this, he says, I will extol you or I will, I will praise you and worship you, O Lord, is what he's saying, for you have drawn me up. You've, you've pulled me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you've healed me. O Lord, you have brought up my soul from Sheol. That was the, the Jewish picture, like the place of the dead, just where the, the, the dead go. He says, you've brought up my soul from there. And you've restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit, from those who, who die and pass away. David says, God, I'm going to praise you because you saved me. David was near to death. It seems literally, if it wasn't literally, he sure thought he was going to die, that he was in a mess. And he said, God, deliver me. And we're reading this psalm after the fact that God had healed him and spared him and God's mercy had come into his life. Now catch what verse 4 says. He says, sing praises to the Lord, O you His saints, and give thanks to His holy name. And here's why. For His anger is but for a moment. You see, David was experiencing that sickness, that struggle, because of God's anger. God was chastening him. God was disciplining him. And he said, we need to praise God because His anger is for a moment, just for a little bit. And his favor, his grace and his mercy, his blessing, he says, is for a lifetime. Weeping may tarry for the night. It might last through the night, but joy comes. It will come with the morning. David's explaining to us, guys, I was in a mess. And I was feeling the pain of my wrong before God, and God was angry with me, and God was chasing me, and I was crying in the night, and I was wailing and weeping. But praise God, the morning has come. I have joy in my heart at what God has done in my life. David tells us in verse 6 why God was angry with him. He's this, he says this, he says, As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. David was king of Israel. He was living life large. He had the kingdom. He had spread their land. He was the most successful king, really, of all of the kings, and wealth and power and influence. And he sat back in his kingdom one day after he was done fighting, and he says, I'm untouchable. Look at where I am. And God said, yeah, I'm not impressed with that mentality, David. Not at all. Here's what he says. Here's what David learned. See, God in his chastening hand showed David his sinful heart, his presumption and his self-reliance and his pride. But David now, he's writing this after the fact, looking back and he says, but it was by your favor, O Lord, that you made my mountain stand strong. 
You see, David, when he was first thinking, forgot to say, God, you've taken care of me. You're the one why I'm there. He just sat back and thought it was all about him. And he said, you've made my mouth instead strong, and you hid your face, and I was dismayed. God hid his face from David. David didn't sense the presence of God in his life, didn't sense and feel God's favor, didn't see God's blessing on his life. Instead, he began going through a tremendous trial that God was trying to get his attention and to show him the depth of his sin and the wrongness in his thinking that's in his heart. And all God has to do for you and me to experience that is just to hide himself from us, to just remove himself and his blessing from our life. But he did that, and David cried to him in verse 8. He says, To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you if I ashes to ashes, dust to dust? Well, if I turn back to dust and die, I can't praise you then. He says, Will it tell of your faithfulness? Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me, O Lord, and be my helper. That was David's prayer after he realized his sin and realized that it was his fault why he was in that such a mess. It wasn't just an accident or happenstance. And he said, God, be merciful to me. Help me. I know I deserve this, but God, would you be merciful anyway? I still want to praise you. What good is it if I, I can't and if I die? God's heavy hand was on David's life. And then here's the sum of it. He ends way the way he began, kind of giving us the after joy of his heart after going through this experience. He says this in verse 11. He says, You have turned from me my mourning into dancing. You have loosened my sackcloth, my, my wearing black. I was in mourning because of my sin and where I was. But now I'm dancing and I have such joy, and you've clothed me with gladness that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord my God, I will give thanks to you forever. David shares with us an intimate picture of his life and his relationship with God. You know, when we enter into that relationship with God by faith through Jesus Christ alone, that God saves us and life is wonderful. But as we go through life, we still, even though God has forgiven us of our sin, we still have a sin nature that we yield ourselves to. We still do and say things and have attitudes in our heart and thoughts in our mind that we know are wrong, that are dishonoring to God. God's not blind to that. I mean, he judge, His judgment is removed from it. His, his judicial... Is, he's now blind to that sin because all He sees is the goodness of His Son, Jesus. But as we live our life and as we live in those ways, God says, okay... I see what you, where you are, I see what you're doing, and I'm going to have to discipline you for that. But I'm doing it out of love, and I want to pull you out of that. I want to change your life even more. I want you to experience even more freedom and joy and blessing in your life. And so he begins to, to lay his hand upon us in love, not in hate, but in love. That, that process for us as followers of Christ can be unnerving 
It can challenge us at times. And depending on what your life was like growing up and how you were corrected as a child or what that, what that looked like with those that had authority in your life, this is either more challenging or not. I've talked to some people before that would say, well, God never disciplines us. And I'm thinking, no, you've not read the Bible very much. I, I, I don't know what the person was thinking. You know, I've learned along the way what they think of discipline may be different than what I'm thinking. And so, like, let's, what do you mean by that? Let's talk through that. But, folks, make sure that you understand the Bible in book, chapter uh, 12 of Hebrews says, the one that God loves, whom the Lord loves, he scourges, he, he, he disciplines, he whips. And every son whom he receives, he he does that for us as his children in love, not in hate, not in rejection, but he actually does it to bring us into relationship with him, uh, closer into relationship with him. So I want you to notice quickly four things this morning, how you and I should handle the disciplining effect of God in our heart. If you walk with God for very long in that relationship with him as a follower of his, along the way, you're going to experience these seasons of life. And my experience matches right up with Psalms. And my, our experiences don't validate the Bible. The va Bible is valid in and of itself. It doesn't need any of our experiences to validate it. But I want you to know that I've experienced this too, and this is normal and common, and as I've talked with so many others, you guys are experiencing it too. So the first thing I want us to recognize is that, is that we need to accept the discipline of God in our life. We need to accept it. I don't know uh, if you were, you know, how you handled getting in trouble as a kid. It probably depended a lot on how that played out and who was the primary disciplinarian in your life, if you had one or not, or if you just kind of wormed your way out of things and made excuses. And, you know, that looks different for everybody. But uh, the tendency for all of us as people is to do everything we can to get away from it, right? To, well, I didn't do that. You know, it's, well, why is your name written in crayon on the wall? You know, I'm pretty sure your, the dog didn't do it. It wasn't your brother. I'm pretty sure you did it. You know, we will do anything to get out of getting in trouble, of getting caught. And, and as kids, and, and to be honest with you, we don't like it anymore as an adult. We don't want that. But for us as followers of Jesus, we need to have a different perspective. Because we have a loving Heavenly Father who always comes at us in a way that's appropriate, in a way that's good, in a way that's respectful to us as people, in a way that's honorable, if you will, and always in love with a desire to make us better. That's God's approach. And so we, first off, should accept it. We shouldn't resent it. We shouldn't run from it. Last time I checked, the guy named Jonah, when he ran from what God was doing, God kind of straightened him out. And it wasn't a lot of fun hanging out with that fish. It just... It just never turns out well when you and I try to remove ourselves from the loving hand of God, even when he's disciplining us. So the first thing is we just we need to accept that as a reality, normal part of our life. Then the second thing we need to understand is we need to understand it. In fact, I might should have done it first. You can accept it better once you understand it. You see, this has a purpose in our life. David is rejoicing with God after this. We don't see David like, oh, I don't know why God did that to me. I'm kind of mad at God. I'm kind of resentful for God. He's praising God for God disciplining him. He's praising God for God having him gone through that experience because what he's saying to us without saying is like, I deserved every bit of this, God. You are completely right. 
And he's joyful at the change in his life, and he's joyful that God was a merciful God and didn't just cast him aside, that God confronted him and pointed out to him his wrong, but then God fixed that and restored him as David admitted it and got that all squared away with God. God said, okay, that's over with. We are moving right along. You see, when God disciplines us, this is part of the understanding. He's not like when you and I got in trouble sometimes that we wondered if the next day, if the coast was clear or not, and kind of walk around in eggshells. Sometimes those in authority have a tendency to, you know, either yell or scream or just kind of, it's almost like this new thing that you do. Every, the last 10 things get piled on top of it, kind of like compound interest into your life. With God, it doesn't work that way. God deals with it. And when we, when we respond and we cry for mercy and say, God, I'm wrong. I realize what I've done wrong, just as David did here a minute ago. I know what I said. Oh my goodness, I can't believe I was thinking in my heart that, boy, this is all about me. I got this awesome kingdom. I'm king of the world and I'm untouchable. And he's, he, David says, I know that I was wrong. And he's, but now that he's forgiven, that relationship with God is renewed. It's over with. There's no more guilt, no more grief, no more shame, no more problem that God just restores immediately and instantaneously. So when you and I, as we think about receiving discipline for God, most of us have to realize that God does this differently than what we've experienced in life. Most of us have not experienced this kind, that God always, it's a temporary thing, it's a very short window. God, David said, God, you are angry with me. Wow! And it lasted for the night. And when you're in the middle of those seasons, you know when you're sick at night? You ever had the stomach flu in the middle of the night? I mean, it just goes on, and you don't feel well, and you can't sleep. I mean, that night feels like it lasts for 48 hours. You're like, oh my goodness, this is going on forever. And it feels like it's lasting a long time. But what David said is, you know, it was just in the night, and it's over. And it was dark, and it was hard. But joy is now here, and God's favor is here to stay. That, that anger and that disciplinary action of God in my life and heart, it's gone like the morning mist. It, it's, it went away. So it's a temporary thing. It's something that God comes to us in love. You see, what happens is because God is a holy God, as David was telling us, he said, we should praise and worship our God because His name is holy. That's what he says in, in verse 4. He says, give thanks to his holy name. When the disciples asked Jesus how they should pray, Jesus started out, you should start praying to the Father like this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or holy be your name. When we're relating to God in heaven, we should recognize that God is holy and perfect and pure. And, and in relation to us, we are... He is so pure that we are, are sinners, that we are separated from Him. And so what, we, what happens is, is because even though we're forgiven of our sin that one time when we trust Jesus Christ as Lord of our life, remember that first big rock when we, we enter into that relationship with Him? Judgmentally, God forgives it all. But God is like a wise doctor that says, yeah, I've forgiven that. But now I need to go in and fix some things because you still are not where you need to be. And God works the rest of our life that way. And it's called sanctification is the word that the Bible uses for that. And so God comes to us in holiness and says, even though I've forgiven your sin, this thing is still an issue in your heart. 
And it's causing a rift in our relationship. And it causes God to hide his face from us. You know, it's just like you're, those of you that are parents or either have young kids now or can remember back. You know, there's nothing that my kids could ever do that would change the fact that they are my children and that I love them. There's not a thing on this planet. Now, the way that love plays out may change depending on what they do and how they live their life. But nothing will change that. And that's the way it is here. God says, your sin has caused a rift. I still love you. But there's no more fellowship and intimacy and closeness right now because you're being a jerk. You're, being a, a, you're acting wrong to yourself. You're acting wrong to those around you. And you're offensive to me. And so God hides his face. So God comes to us out of discipline because that's the only way in order to restore closeness again. That's the only way to restore fellowship again. That's the only way that he can, we can have open relationship with him, as it were, face to face before him, is that he has to poke his finger into our sin and say, we got to deal with this. And so we feel for a moment God's displeasure. Now, God, if God ignored all of that, he would just be enabling us to live however we wanted, and he wouldn't care. But that's not the kind of God we have. He loves us. And he wants to change our life increasingly so. And so you and I experience some things in life that sometimes are the chastening hand of God. Now, every little bad thing that happens to you is not God's chastening hand, all right? If you're going to the store after church today and you don't get that really good parking spot, or if, if somebody gives you a fender bender, you don't need to say, oh, no, I just heard a sermon on God disciplining me. God, what have I done wrong now to, you know, to get this fender bender? Not every little thing that comes your way is God doing that. But sometimes those things happen, and God is trying to stop us and to say, I need your attention right now because you're not paying very much attention to me. And sometimes we're in seasons of life when things aren't going so well and we get to a point where we get frustrated and we realize, like, what is going on? Oh, yeah. Oh, God might be trying to talk to me about something. That's what David was experiencing. He was living up in his heart, and God allowed a sickness of some sort. It seems like a physical thing that he thought he was going to die to literally, he's just about declaring a miracle that God just spared me and delivered me out of this. And God was having to slow David's life down enough so he would recognize the sin that he had fallen into. That's the way it is for you and for me. I don't intend getting up in the morning falling into stuff. Sometimes I end up in those thoughts and attitudes of my heart, pride and self-reliance and all of that. And they just happen and I don't even realize it's going on. God sees it. And it's offensive to God, enough that God said, David, I'm putting my hand on you, son, until you recognize that. So, so accept it, understand it, that it's love. It's an act of God loving you to change your life. It's an act that your sins are messing up that relationship with God right now. You're not walking in a spirit, and so God puts his hand on you and allows you to experience some of his anger, some of his discipline. But it's always in respect. It's almost, it's, whenever I experience those things, it's a weird thing. It feels good and it hurts at the same time. 
It's almost like, I think I mentioned to you, I, I saw a physical therapist for a few days, two or three weeks ago, and why my shoulder was just not right, and it just, it was tight and all of that, and it, it, she would just, I mean, yank on my arm, felt like she was going to pull it off. It hurts, just like, oh, but then it's like, wow, that's kind of feeling normal and right. That's kind of the way it is with God. This is not, this is not an abusive thing, if you've experienced that in your past. This is not an emotionally abusive thing. This is not a manipulative thing. This is God resetting a bone that's broken. This is a dislocated shoulder. This is our life not in alignment. And God says, this is going to hurt, crack. But then we're like, oh, wow, this is much better. And God does that in our heart. So accept it, understand it. And when you find yourself in that season that you just kind of sense that God the Spirit is speaking into your heart and realize that, oh, I'm the reason I'm getting into all of this mess right now. It's me. It's not bad luck and definitely not bad karma and any of that, which none of that's real. It's me. Then the next step that we need to do is we need to mourn and we need to pray. That's what David did. I'm so grateful that David unpacked for us. He's just sitting back after the effect, writing this psalm, telling us what this was like for him. And he, he mourned. He said, this was painful. It hurt. God's anger was there. And he's given us hope in the middle of it. Endure the anger, but know that joy is coming. It's going to pass. God won't stay angry forever. Accept it. So you mourn your sin. David said, I was mourning. He wasn't just mourning like his his illness. He wasn't sorry that he got caught. He was sorry that what he for what he was doing that caused that problem in his life. And he, he mourned that. So you and I should have a level of that, of feeling bad. We live in a culture today, it just it's increasingly, maybe I'm aware more, maybe it's changing, I don't know, maybe it's always been like this, but our world just does not like to feel bad about anything anymore. And I, don't, I mean, physically or anything. And we will, we will take medications, everything to just, we will do everything we can to just be happy and feel good. And if you think about it, I often just say, well, as long as they're happy, you know, it's almost like the happiness is the gold standard of what you should do and if life is good or not and how you feel. And as long as you're happy, it's okay. I suggest to you that happiness is really not the litmus test for very much in life, to be real honest with you. If it is, you're going to end up in some, making some major wrong decisions. You're going to end up really disappointed and problems and all kinds of things. But there is a season in our life, in that moment, when we're under the hand of God, it is appropriate for us to feel bad and to mourn and to say, God, you are right. I've done wrong. And we should actually focus more on our sin and what we've done wrong than the consequences and the disciplining hand of God in the middle of it. We should accept that God loves us and isn't going to reject us. When Susan and I, with our children, as we reared them, as we raised them, we wanted them to, first thing that every kid needs to know is that they're loved and they're secure and they're safe and everything's good and that needs to be day one and all the way through, that needs to be loud and clear. And then when they stepped across the lines, that we picked clear lines that, that were very attainable to them, that very reasonable for us to expect, and when they dared to cross those, we had to discipline them. And in the middle of that discipline, they never doubted our love. 
They never doubted our care. They never were insecure or worried, oh my goodness, because they understood clearly that love and they received it. In fact, our kids later on as adults are like, I'm so glad you and mom you know, disciplined us that way. Thank you. You taught us. You, you taught us in that way. And so we mourn that sin, not insecure in our relationship with God or any of that, because he's loved us and he wants us to experience that fully. But we mourn it and we pray. And David prayed a pretty good prayer. I mean, he's not, he's not debating God. He's not arguing with God. He's like, God, I know you might kill me, but what's the good in that? If I die, I can't praise you anymore. Like, please, I just, oh, God. He prayed some pretty deep prayers in his heart, and you and I should do the same when we feel that hand of God. There should be a soul searching in our life. As you and I enter into those seasons, sometimes, I don't know how God does this, but His Spirit will just kind of bear into our heart, and the longer you live as a Christian, I think the more and more this makes sense to, to a, a person, at least I've grown in it, the longer I've walked with Christ, that, God, something's up. I know you're not happy about something. And I almost become, you know, almost like that person that you can smell something. You open the fridge like, oh, something in here is not good. I don't know where it is. And, you know, you go, you go clearing out all over the fridge till you find it, right, and get rid of the, of the offense. Our life becomes like that ultimately with God. God, I know you're not happy about something, and I don't quite know what. And in that season as you pray, God's getting your attention, and he usually puts his finger on it, and they mourn that and pray and ask God to clean that out and confess it before him and thank him for Jesus dying on the cross and removing that. And then we get to the part that we want to be, the, the happiness and the joy. And then the fourth thing is the last thing, is that then we can thank God and be grateful that's what David's writing in this psalm. He's telling us that discipline actually done well, and God always does it well, leads us to joy, leads us to restoration, leads us to restoration in our own life, leads us into restoration in our relationship with Him. He mends that which is broken, and he says we should thank and praise the holy God of heaven who, who lives with us in such a way that just doesn't leave us off to figure life out and leaves us to our own devices to make a mess in the world, but he actually cares about how we live and, and, and the way what, what we do and what we think. And he, he comes to us. And he's not too harsh. He doesn't just blow us away or dismiss us, but he gets our attention. And when we turn to him, he restores us. And we should have such joy that comes in our heart. We should live our life, most of our days, out of that joy, that favor. We may go through that little season of discipline, and it doesn't feel good, but it's temporary. And what lasts is the blessing of a restored life. We go to that next plateau. Every time when I hike a mountain, there's always that, there's always somewhere in there like, why am I doing this again? Oh, yeah, I like this. This is fun. Oh, yeah, there's parts of it that's never fun. Like, those of you that work out, you know what I'm talking about. You know, there's sometimes you just, the end is pretty good, but if, you, if you're a musician, you don't work out, like, you're just playing, like, sometimes, like, oh, my goodness, but then you get to have fun, right? It's just everything in life is that way, and you're, you're pushing through, but then you get to the other side of that, and that's what David's helping us to realize is that we have to go through those moments and experience those and accept those 
Because what God is doing is changing us, and he's trying to get us to a new plateau, if you will, a new viewpoint, a a deeper intimacy with our God. He's trying to make us more and more like him, and he's working on us. He's changing us, and he's shaping us more and more into his image. So, folks, I don't know where you are with the disciplinary hand of God in your heart. We don't often talk about this because it doesn't get impact, you know, like this very often in Scripture. But I want us to, to you to rethink, you know, how God approaches you with that. Accept it. And if you're in the middle of that season where you sense that God's trying to get your attention, you may, you may be trying to, you know, la, 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 I can't hear you, God. I don't want to get any of this, you know. Don't just say, God, okay. Do what you need to do. I'm here. God, help me understand how bad what I've really been doing is. And God, would you change me? And when you begin taking that attitude, it's amazing how quickly that discipline goes away even faster. Like it speeds it up. Because God's not having to work so hard to get our attention. And it actually feels even better along the way. So reconsider wherever you are and just how God deals with you in your life. We know that God loves us. He blesses us. But He's more than just a you know, a fairy godmother or a Santa Claus just there to give you your, your, the genie to give you three wishes. He wants a deeper relationship with you. But part of that means He's got to correct us. He's got to work on us. For the parents in the room, you might need to rethink, take this principle, and maybe rethink even the discipline of your own children. Increasingly, parents are struggling to know how to discipline the kids well and correctly. And if you look at all the studies and everything that's around it, you'll actually come to some opposite conclusions of what the Bible says. We really ought to learn the way God treats us. It ought to be done in respect. It ought to be consistent. It, it, there's a lot of lessons in here to be learned, but maybe you need to reconsider how you relate that with your children. Do, you, do your kids, when you've disciplined them, do they know it's over? And when it's over, it's, I mean, it's truly over. It's as if it never happened. That's the way God does it with us. It's the way He returns that joy to us in the morning. Or do you tend to just have a grudge as a parent or as an authority figure and just kind of hold on to that? When God deals with us, He deals with it, and the relationship's renewed. So I don't know what God is speaking in your life this morning, but because He loves us, He sent us in Jesus to die for us. And we have a new, amazing relationship with Him. But that's the beginning. And out of that love, He comes and says, I'm just going to keep working on you and help changing your life in little ways along the way. And that means some discipline. So what's God been speaking into your heart about? What do you need to say to Him? What's He... Maybe you need to listen to Him. Sometimes we talk at God too much, and sometimes we don't do enough listening to what God's trying to tell us through the circumstances of life, looking at Scripture, and just kind of letting His Spirit weigh in on our soul. But take a moment today, if God's been dealing with you, before you leave or make a, make a commitment at home tonight or this afternoon to get alone and get quiet with God and allow God to press in on your soul because He wants you to experience that joy. Listen, you'll never have the joy that David's talking about and the freshness and acceptance and the purposefulness and all that comes with that unless you allow God to press His hand into your soul and to deal with the things that He sees necessary. So allow Him to do that. Respond to whatever He's saying in your heart today. Our team's going to come up. We're going to close with a song. 
It's your time to worship God, your time to respond to Him however you see fit. I'm going to pray, and, uh, and we'll close our service with a song. Father, thank you for the loving, disciplined hand that you give to us. Lord, I, I feel the fear that most of us grow up not seeing discipline as a good thing. None of us enjoy it. And God, it's easy to even as an adult to want to run away from it. None of us like to experience that. But God, your perspective's different. You know that it's necessary. And it's necessary to bring joy and intimacy and to correct things. God, we're like those with an arm that's broken and it's sore and it hurts and we're in pain. And Lord, we have to allow you to be the doctor, to diagnose, to tell us where we're messed up, and to fix it. And Lord, help us to accept that, to understand it in an environment that, Lord, you, you care for us. We are so secure and we are so loved by you. And Lord, would you return your joy this morning to those who need it, those that are in the season of, of the pain and the discipline. Father, I pray that you would help them to understand it, to hear exactly what you're saying to them. And Lord, would you renew uh, and restore that joy to them. Lord, we love you. We're grateful for your amazing gift that you give to us, that you save us and you walk with us our whole life. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.